Hello. How are y'all doing? Okay. I like it when you laugh when I first walk up. I don't take it personally at all. So um, we have, uh, we just have a really amazing church. Like you guys make this place just rock. People come in, most of the people that go to church here have gone to other churches and they've had maybe not great experiences. Not everyone, but um, they had a bad experience at another church, and so they come here, and they get to have a bad experience here, too. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but they come here, and what has been the case in most, most cases um, is people limp in here, lonely and hurting, and they walk out confident and loved, knowing that they're loved and, and encouraged, and then they go out, and they try to get more people. They're like, hey, look, churches are terrible. Okay, but this one's not as terrible as the other ones. Like, um, and we are, though. We are. Just, I just want to be really clear. Our church does not do everything right. We, we strive to, uh, to do what the Bible tells us to do, but we miss it completely on a lot of things. So we're not perfect. Uh, we we want to be. We, we want that more than anything. Okay, but um, what I want to tell you, church, is happy birthday. Today is three years ago on the third Sunday of January, three years ago, we met in the Marriott across, in the convention rooms of the Marriott across the highway. Y'all know where the Marriott is, right? And, and you know, we went and we set up and it was, it was great. We had so much excitement. And then as the, the service is getting closer, we moved to New Braunfels knowing zero people. If you don't know that already, I say it all the time. We literally, I literally knew zero people. I had been to town maybe five times just to go to Schlitterbahn. I knew no one. I had spent no time here in town, and, uh, but the Lord told us to plant a church here. No, I'm like, I don't know anyone there. Like I, I think you should know people. Um, it's probably a smart move to know people. Um, but we come, and so service is getting ready to start, and then some people from our home church and our and our home gym came here, and it's like one and two and like families, and then we end up like with 60 people from our home church all in this room in the Marriott, and we're just worshiping I'm like, yes, Lord, this is going to work. This is awesome. It's so many people here. This is great. And then the second week, <laughs> the second week, uh, the the worship the worship starts the countdown three two one the countdown and we start worshiping I'm like just up in the front and I'm worshiping and then after the first song I turn around and I look and the only person I saw behind me was Larry and he was doing the words to the songs there were zero people like zero people folks zero people in church um, and so I was like Lord maybe this isn't gonna work I don't did you really know what you were doing here and uh, before the end of service, uh, Todd and Nancy came, and they were there, and uh, then the greeters who were Stacy's parents came in, and they sat down, so we're like, we're killing it. We're like, four people. This is great. I don't know what we're going to do with all of them. So, um, and, th- you know, we've just kept doing what we feel like the Lord is leading us to do, and you're all here, and it's, I mean, it's working. We are just, if you don't feel this when you start to join, and if you don't feel like you're part of something, like something really big is coming, you should feel like something really big is coming because God has called us to so much more than we're doing right now, so much more. So uh, are, do you all feel that too? Amen. All right, well, happy birthday. We're only three years old. We got a long way to go. So 
There was this guy in the 1800s. His name was Charles Blondin. Charles Blondin was a tightrope guy. He would walk over the... It's, it's dangerous enough to just walk a tightrope, but he's like, how can I make it more dangerous? And so he puts it over Niagara Falls. So this guy is walking across a high wire over Niagara Falls, and there's like crowds of people will come and watch him, and they're cheering him on like, yeah, you can do it. This is awesome. And so they would just cheer him on and cheer him on. And so he's like, you know, I can go across with the blindfold. And so then he goes across with the blindfold. It's like, whoa. And then he goes across on stilts. And then he goes across juggling. And then he goes across on like, like with, uh, one time he goes across and he has a small stove on his back. He stops in the middle and he puts the stove down on the wire and he cooks an omelet. Like, it's just not dangerous enough. So I'll, I'll just make it more and more dangerous. So one time he says, Do you think, he's looking at the crowd, do you think I can go across with a wheelbarrow? And they're like, yeah, you can do it. Do you think I can go across with someone in the wheelbarrow? And they're like, yeah, you can do it. And he said, you, sir, come here and get in the wheelbarrow. And he's like, no, (laughs) no. Like the difference in being in the crowd and cheering and like, yeah, we believe, we believe. And actually getting in is some completely different things. That's a difference in believing and having faith. When you believe in something, it's, all the believing is in the brain. Like there's no fear to believe something. Your faith, though, is a little scary. Like when you have faith and you put some actions into something, that's some, like when you put your trust in something. Like you can say all day long, yeah, I believe you can take someone in a wheelbarrow that's not me across the highway. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, I think you can do it. But when it's you, you're like, <laughs> it's scary. So um, you can... You can't have faith without believing. You absolutely have to believe. You can, however, have believing without faith. And as a matter of fact, I think that's where most people, Christians, are. Most people that are Christians are not disciples. Most people that are... Did you know that in the Bible, the word Christian is used three times? The word disciple is used 273 times in the New Testament. Three times. But when we always introduce ourselves, we always tell people we're Christians. Why is it that we're using Christian versus disciple? Because there's something that goes with the being a disciple. Being a disciple is a little more than being a Christian. You can say you're a Christian because I believe in these things. When you're a disciple, you do these things. There's a big difference. So believing a disciple is someone who believes in God. A disciple is someone who believes God. A disciple is someone who submits to God's word and, and, and they seek to know God in every area of their life. Are y'all with me still? Okay, so um, when Jesus, his last thing, he didn't say, look, I want you to go into the world and make Christians. As a matter of fact, Jesus never said the word Christian in his whole life. He said, I want you to go into the world and make disciples, other people who fully submit their life to me. I want you to go and make disciples in churches around the around the country. Probably not around the world, but in churches around the country, twenty percent of the people do one hundred percent of the work. They do one hundred percent of the volunteering. They do one hundred percent of the keeping the things flowing. Twenty um, percent of the people give one hundred percent of the money, the finances to keep the church going. Um, what we need, what Life Church New Braunfels needs, what we need as the church in America needs, is we need more disciples. And less Christians. I mean, you can't be a disciple without being a Christian. 
But you, you, you can definitely be um, a, a cultural Christian and not be a disciple. A disciple is someone who fully submits. So today, I'm going to talk about money. And look, I know what the optics look like when I say we're going to talk about tithing and offerings and have a wheelbarrow here. <laughs> it's like, we're going to not leave until this is full, okay? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's not. <laughs> I thought about that like in first service. I was like, oh, man, what am I doing? This is not one of those churches, Okay. Uh, I, I don't want you to squirm. We're going to talk about money, and I'm going to, look, you will be convicted if you are someone who is not completely sold out on this. You're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to squirm a little bit. It's okay. Squirm. I don't care because what I'm going to do is I'm going to do what, uh, I want you to, to just get rid of all of your, your preconceived ideas and traditions when it comes to money and giving it to the church. Okay, I want you to just get rid of it, and I want to do what we have this tradition in Life Church, where um, we we just find out what the Bible says and we do that thing. Like I think that's a good tradition to have um, because you'll you'll end up in a really good place. You just find out what the Bible says about a thing, and then just do that thing because God is bigger than all the things, right? So there are people in here, when we, when we talk about tithing, there are people in here who, uh, who fully get it. They fully understand. They're mature Christians, and they're like, yes, this, it's, this is going to be a, an encouragement to you. There are people in here who kind of get it. They're a little foggy on what all this means and, and why they're supposed to do that. Um, I hope that, and then there's some of you who are like, nope, nope, none of your business. I'm not giving you a dollar. Okay, look, you're fine. As a matter of fact, of all of you, I have no idea who gives money. I don't know if, if you give. I don't know how much you give unless some of you, you weirdos, will come up and tell me. Like, I don't want to know because I already have a hard time being nice to you. And if I find out you're not giving, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, w- I would never be mean to you. Um, but so I'm just kidding. I would be mean to you, but not because of that. Uh, so we're just going to do what we do, and we're going to look at what the Bible teaches, and this is the, our tradition, and this is what, how we're going to do it, okay? So let me just let you off the hook completely. You don't have to tithe. Don't leave. We're not done. <laughs> like, calm out. <laughs> look, you don't have to tithe, okay? So it's good. You believe that, right? You, you don't have to tithe. You, you don't have to refrain from murder. You don't. You can murder. Like, you can murder. You don't have to tell the truth. You don't have to love each other. Like, you don't have to do those things. Now, if you want to be obedient, if you want to be a disciple, if you want to do what's right according to the way that God set up your life to operate as a follower of Christ, um, if you want to be in covenant with Him, let's do, in, in the money thing, if you want to be in covenant with God, in a deal with God where He will bless you if you do this thing, if you want Him to rebuke the devourer for your sake, then you do have to do these things. It's not an option. You do have to do these things. Now, no one's going to come along and force you. I'm not going to like, like, okay, look, there's uh, 84 members. I don't know how many members. It's probably not 84. There's, there's 10 members. And of these 10 members, only eight of them give. I'm going to call those last two and be like, what is your problem? Like, no one's going to come to you and twist your arm. I would never do that. Because ultimately, though, you, when your, your mind is right and you're in the right place with giving and money, then it blesses the church and we can be on mission and we can do what we're supposed to do. But if we don't, that's between you and God. It ultimately, it's between you and God. And there are people that at times will come and ask me about this or that when it comes to money. And I try to just say, look, 
talk to God about it and see what God says to you about it. Um, and it's not even about the offering. It's a, I mean, it's not even about the tithe. That's about the offering. I'm going to make it, I'm going to, if you're a little bit foggy on what the, the tithe is, you're about to be really crystal clear. This is, this is great. So there are three main themes in the Bible. There's sin, suffering, and stewardship. We talk about sin all the time. We, we, as we're, uh, if you don't know, we, we go through books of the Bible. Um, normally, we go through books of the Bible. And um, we're going through the Gospel of John right now. And we're, we're going to start um, probably next month on chapter 9. And we're going to just go through until we finish. Probably Christmas again. I don't know. It's going to be a long time. But um, so we talk about sin all the time. With suffering, like we're good at suffering, right? Like we, we can do the suffering. We all know how to suffer. 2020, right? Were y'all here on 2020? Yeah. Suffering. That, that was suffering. We suffer through what... Uh, I made a joke this morning. I said, look, some of you are going to think it's funny. Some of you are going to roll your eyes. I was cleaning up in the back earlier, and I found some classified documents. <laughs> we know how to suffer because we have a government, okay? We know how to suffer. So... Um, we, we learn, <laughs> oh, it's online too. Hi, online people. Uh, so we're going to talk about stewardship. When it comes to Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A's corporate purpose, this is written on a plaque outside of the, the home office building. Well, their corporate purpose is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. That's what Chick-fil-A is about. If you talk to any Chick-fil-A operator, they will say exactly that. That is what Chick-fil-A is about. If you ask any Chick-fil-A operator what the corporate purpose is, they will know it by heart. I have said that thing 10 billion times, so much so that it is a core of who I am as a person. I try to be a faithful steward of everything that is given to me, and I've been given a lot. A lot of things have been entrusted to me. Everything you have is God's. We know that the earth and its fullness are all God's. We believe that, right? So your car, you're like, that's my car. Well, actually, like you're going to die someday, newsflash, and that's no longer going to be your car because your car doesn't go with you to heaven. So you're like, well, that's my kid's car. Well, your kids are going to die someday, and then their kids and their kids and their kids. kids. Eventually, everything goes back to God because he owns everything. He will be here forever. So we don't really own anything. We are stewards of everything that we have, right? Now, let's look at the Italian prophet Malici. It's Malachi. Malachi 3 says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. When someone comes to you, and this is an argument that happens all the time, especially about tithing, they're like, well, that's an Old Testament principle. That's, that's in the law. The tithe is not in the law. Um, and it's, it's not an Old Testament, it is an Old Testament principle, but it's also a New Testament principle, and I'll show you. Um, but when, it's, when it starts off by saying, for I am the Lord, I do not change. That means whatever he's about to say goes forever until the Lord is no longer, which is forever. So, for I am the Lord, I do not change. That is why you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob or defraud God? Yet you rob and defraud me. But you say, in what way do we rob or defraud you? You have withheld your tithes and offerings. You are cursed with the curse, for you are robbing me, even this whole nation. Look, some of you 
in this room have been dealing with the same issues. We can talk about financially, but it's not just financially. It's everywhere. The tithe doesn't just affect your money. The tithe affects your, your commitment to the Lord. When you're submitted to him and you're doing what he says, it affects everything. He will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And that's not just in your finances. That's not just in your things. That's the devourer is coming to, to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will rebuke the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy you if you are submitted to him, okay? So some of you have been dealing with the same issues year in and year out, month in and month out, perpetually scraping by. Now, why is that, that you keep dealing with it? If you, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. And if you keep doing the thing that you've done to get in the spot you're in, then you're not going to get out of that spot. It's not just going to miraculously happen. We have family members that will call us often, and they will say, hey, look, if I don't get... Sometimes this happens to all of us where we get in a tight spot financially. The church is here to help you. I mean, we don't have no money either, but we're going to help you. We're, we're going to be like, we'll pray for you. <laughs> you know, uh, but, <laughs> but sometimes you get in a tight spot financially, and this happens. This is, this is just part... Almost every time, it's because you did something that you should not have done. You made a decision that you should not have done. Almost every time. Sometimes it's just unforeseeable things come up, and you get in a tight spot, and then somebody will help you. But there's these other people. Maybe you have them in your family, too, where every month they're like, I'm going to get kicked out this month. I, I'm, I, don't, I can't pay my rent. I need $10,000. Like, how much is your rent? Like, or I need $500, or I need $1,000. And it's like every single time, we, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. You can't, those people cannot be helped by giving them money. Those are the people that win the lottery. You know that, right? That's why everybody that wins the lottery always ends up poor again. Because th- those people end up, I had already spent my seven, $700 million. Y'all know the Mega Millions was just this past weekend. Do y'all do know that, right? Just watch the news sometimes, guys. Come on. So look, the take home was $723 million. I asked a bunch of people. What would you do if you won $723 million? And some holy people were like, I would tithe. <laughs> like, like Jessica, my wife, she said, I'll t- I would tithe. The first thing I would do is tithe. I like, you would give Life Church New Braunfels $72 million. She's like, at least. <laughs> and my son-in-law said, I would give the church $500 million and I would live on $200 million. Like, I could probably live on $200 million for the rest of my life, right? It's like, yeah, I think you could squeak by. Maybe. <laughs> Have you been saying that you believe without getting in? Have you been saying that you believe God and everything that he says without getting in? And I'm, I'm specifically talking about finances now. Have you been saying that I trust God? I know that every word he says is true. I believe him. But you haven't quite got in because you're like, it's scary. It is scary. It is. So what is this robbing God? He could have used many different words. He could, have, he could have used many lighter, easier words. But he said, robbing God. Robbing is, is when you're taking something by force. It's not stealing. It's not cheating. It's robbing God. You're doing it with the mindset. And unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, everyone that's in this room and everyone that's listening to the podcast and everyone that's watching online, you will no longer have an excuse that you didn't know. 
If you belong to the Lord, the first tenth of every part of your income belongs to Him, period. Even if you don't want to give it to Him. It belongs to Him. It's not, it's not yours to spend. When you take that and you spend it, you are by force taking what God has given you to give back to Him. You're taking it away from Him. You are robbing God with knowledge and understanding that it belongs to God. So if you're a disciple, someone who wants to live for God, if you've given your heart to the Lord, the first tenth of all of your income. Now, people get really fuzzy when it comes to income. Like when money comes to you, that is your income. Now, I'm not talking about like, we want to look back and like, well, in the Old Testament, they were talking about like their sheep and their their corn and their, their flocks and the, this and that and the other. Look, God set up the tithe so that he would have a way to bless you. And you sit there and you argue, net or gross? Like, really? Like, you want to like try to squeeze it out as much as you can? Like, net, okay, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll tithe on the net. And he wants to bless you and you're trying to weasel your way out of the blessing as best you can. You're trying to figure out a way, how can I not be blessed? What can I do to not be, or at least blessed in the least amount of blessing he can give me? Like, that's what you, when you spend the first tenth, you're stealing for, for God, no matter what you spend it on. You're like, well, I was going to go feed the orphans. Well, that's not what the tithe is for. The tithe goes back to God. Malichi says, bring all the tithes, <laughs> bring all the tithes, the whole tenth of your income into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and prove me by the only thing in the entire Bible that God says, go ahead, test me. I dare you. Test me on it. Prove me now by it, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Raise your hand if you're in here and you do not want to be blessed. That's really like that's in my notes to say that exact sentence like he if you're not Todd, raise your hand if you don't want to be Everybody wants to be blessed. There's not a person that does not want to be blessed. So the, when he says, bring the tithes, the whole tenth, into the storehouse, you are in the storehouse right now. This is the storehouse. If this is your church, and I realize there are people in here, this is not your church, you just come sometimes, or you just your first time. Like, if this is not your church, this is not your storehouse. Give to your church. You, could, you should be investing in your church. So let's talk about tithes offerings, and, uh, and then stewardship. The definition of tithe is the first tenth of your income. Again, the, people get real fuzzy. This, this should be crystal clear to you. The first tenth of your income, no matter what the income is. So I've had people say, well, do I need to tithe on my income tax check? Because I already tithed on my income. So how does that work? Do I tithe on that income tax check? Because I already gave on it the first time when it came through. Do I need to give on it again? Like, you know that you pay taxes whenever you get, when you get your paycheck, you pay taxes. And then when you spend money, you pay taxes. And then you have to pay taxes on the taxes that you taxed. Okay. And so you can, look, I'm, I'm not telling you, you need to decide that. I'm not going to tell you whether to tithe on your income tax check or not. But again, you're like, God, how can you bless me the least? 
stop doing that. Like, stop doing that. People say, you know, I, I'm, I tithed to 5%. No, you didn't. You can't tithe 5% because a tithe is the first 10%. You didn't tithe 5%. What you did actually was you gave God a tip. Like God waited on your table and you're like, here's 5%. Like, here you go, kid. And you like flip a quarter to him. Like you didn't tithe 5%. You gave 5%. Um, or people say, this is one people love to do. Like I tithe my time. No, you didn't. 5%, I mean, 10% of your income has nothing to do with time. The tithing, the time thing is something, that's a man-made thing. It's never in the Bible anywhere. That's a man-made thing that people made up so that they didn't have to give their money. Like, that's all. Like, you can't, the only way you can tithe is to give the first tenth of any money that comes to you. That's your tithe. Nothing else. When you give 10% of your income to the church where you're being fed, where you're spiritually being fed, which is this place for most of you, um, where you're being trained, where your kids are coming and, and worshiping, where you're growing and learning, you're not giving your tithe any part of that first 10% to any parachurch ministry. You're not giving it to, uh, to um, charities. You're not giving it to buy clothes for the homeless. You're not taking that, that tithe and, and donating it to an orphanage. You absolutely should do those things, but not with the tithe. Because the tithe belongs to God, and when you spend it even for doing good things, you are robbing God. Is everyone with me? Y'all uncomfortable now? Good. We're finally hitting a sweet spot. You should absolutely do, and not only should you do those things, the church should be doing those things. So maybe you're someone that says, you know, I really feel like this money that I'm giving should go to clothe the homeless. Great. We're with you. We believe in, in helping the homeless. So what I need you to do is I need you to help us start a ministry. Tithe your time. <laughs> not, not really. It's not a thing. But what I need you to do is help us to start a ministry so that we can go and, and serve the homeless. We need you. There's only, a, like I said earlier, 20% of the people doing 100% of the work. Let's make it 21%. Jump in. Get in. Serve. Let's start a ministry to do that because I'm for it 100%. I'm for it. Let's do it. So tithing is bringing back to God what is rightfully His. Um, we know the truth that everything, ultimately everything belongs to God. And we're going to be accountable. We're going to be held accountable for the things that we do with everything that He's put in our hands. Everything. Well, you're going to be held accountable for 100% of everything, 100% of the things that are put in your hands. The average Christian gives 3%. Obviously, the average Christian doesn't tie 3%. You know why? Because that's not 10%. Like, the average Christian only gives 3% of their income. And this, uh, this is the only place in the Bible, like I said a while ago, where God says, test me on this. He says, bet. Just like that. It's like, oh, yeah? Bet. Give your money. Give your first tenth and bet. See if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so big that you, it, cannot, it cannot be contained by you. Bet. Bet I will bless you. I, so this is my challenge for you. If, you're, if Life Church is your church, I want to tell you, for the next six months, this is a challenge, for the next six months, I want you to tithe. But I don't want you to tithe some. I don't want you to tithe five percent i want you to the first ten percent of whatever money is coming to you i want you to give give it to the storehouse and if you do it or you don't do it i'm not gonna know so 
unless you tell me. That's the only way I'm going to know. But I want you to give, and then I want you, like, I want you to test God on it. I dare you. I doubled, that's it, that's what I'll do. I double dog dare you. You have to now, like, you have no choice. I double, if this is your church, I double dog dare you to give the first 10%, because what you're going to see is, it's like, um, don't give one time and be like, nothing happened. Nothing happened. I gave, I gave this week, went through the whole week, didn't get any extra money. Nothing happened. That's the people that go and they do one ab workout, and then they get home and they look in the mirror and they're like, where's the six pack? I'm telling you, if you will give for six months, if you will faithfully tithe for six months, you're going to go to Schlitterbahn with a six pack in the summer. Like financially, you are going to be in a much better place. Will you have no bills? Nope. You're still going to have bills. Okay. You're still going to have bills. There's going to still be challenges and you need those challenges. Like, we know we need challenges. But you're going to be in a much better place financially. I promise you, you're going to be in a much better place financially. If you don't believe me, you've got to believe him. Like, trust him. So he goes on, he says, And I will rebuke the devourer, which is insects and plagues and alternators and flat tires and washing machines and transmissions. And yeah, I'm going to cover the transmission, don't worry. And like all of the things um, for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine drop its fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you happy and blessed, for you shall be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. We give because our hearts are in the kingdom. Jesus said, where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, your heart is with it. So if you look back on your last month of where have your finances gone, if you've been investing in, if you've been taking that tithe and preparing for a cruise or, or preparing for, to make your kitchen, like remodel your kitchen, or you've been preparing for college or you've been saving up for a car, that's where your treasure is. And I'm not saying don't do those things. Absolutely do those things. Please do but not with the first 10% because that's not yours. That's God's. That belongs to God. So that's where your heart is, is where your treasure is. Only 5% of Christians actually give 10% of their income. Only 5% of Christians get actually tithe. The tithe is the 10th of income. Not um, Whenever we talk about tithing, tithing is a reminder that everything we have is His. All that we have is His. And so we show our thankfulness and, and we show that we don't... Look, I don't want to be cursed. In my, do you want to be cursed in your finances? No, you want Him to rebuke the devourer just like everybody does. And so some of us need to break free from the cycle. And the best way to break free from the cycle is to do something different. And so um, this is your ticket. You're like, this is so clear. He's like, go ahead, test me. How dare you? Like, just test me on it. See, see what happens. Because um, some of you have been robbing God and tying his hands. If you have a teenager, and your teenager is late getting home, you, you give your teenager a curfew. Be home at 10 p.m. Do not be one second late. 10 p.m. is your curfew, and your kid comes home at 10.30. You're not going to say, you know what? Stay out to 11 tomorrow. You're not going to give them more freedom, because the freedom that they already have, they're blowing it. They're not being submitted to the, the guidelines that you've already given them. Why would God give you more money if you're already not handling the money that he's already given you well? He can't. 
Like when you don't give him that first 10% back, you tie his hands. He wants to bless you. The whole thing is so that he can bless you, but so that he stays as the number one spot in your heart. And so you say, well, that's an Old Testament principle. It is. It's also a New Testament principle. Uh, Jesus came, uh, people will say, Jesus came to get rid of the Old Testament. Well, that's not in the Bible either. He came and he fulfilled the Old Testament. So, so the giving now is, is, the New Testament giving is different than the Old Testament giving. Jesus didn't come and, and dumb down and make easier to follow any of the rules. You've heard it said that you should not murder. But I say anyone who, who hates his brother has already committed murder. That's like harder. Like I'm going to gamble and say that 80% of you have never murdered anyone physically in here. That's probably higher than 80%, but I'm just going to be safe. <laughs> most of you have never murdered anyone but most of you have hated someone some of y'all hating people right now some of y'all hate people in this room that's terrible you need to repent jesus doesn't come and take the law what the law said and make it easier he comes and he magnifies it You've heard it said that you should not commit adultery, but I say anyone who looks at someone with lust in their heart has already committed adultery. We're not going to go into detail on that one. You know. He says, when someone slaps you on the cheek, give them the other cheek. When someone forces you to walk a mile, walk the second mile. You're supposed to love your enemy. He takes all the Old Testament and he says, oh, you thought that was hard. Here's, here, let me magnify it. And, but people say with the tithe, no, 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 it's different now. It's easier. Really? Like this is the one thing that he, that he made easier to follow? I don't think so. This is what he said. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites! That's an exclamation mark. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. I need you to pay really close attention to the next three words. This is Jesus speaking. And Jesus says, you should tithe. Anytime someone comes to you and they have this really great argument about, the tithe isn't for the New Testament. The tithe, Jesus says, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a little bit of that, but then you swallow a whole camel, dummy. You should tithe. But he made it such a small thing. It's like, obviously, obviously you should tithe. But the big things are the things that you're completely ignoring. That's, you, you're, you're not showing justice and mercy and faith. You're not doing the big things. You're so worried about the little things, and you're neglecting the big things. The, the tithe was such a small thing. It's like, oh, well, obviously, like, obviously you should do that. It's bigger than the rules. There's so much more going on here than just following a rule. Your tithe is not a 10% bill on every paycheck. Your tithe is something that you should pray over. That's one of the things that I dislike about online giving is people forget to pray over their online gift. Please pray over it. If you just have to, what you should do is every time you know it's payday, even if you don't see your check, pray over it. Just pray. It's, it's payday. God, bless this offering that I'm giving to you. 
bless this tithe that I'm, I'm returning back to you. And you pray over it every single time because there's a lot more going on here than just following the rules. When you're someone that just seeks to follow the rules, you miss out on the fullness that is in the, the life that comes with it. If you're, if you're someone that's like walking around the edge and trying to see like net or gross, like how close can I get to the edge and still be in good standing so that I don't... You're like, I just want to get a 70 on my report card. Oh my God, report card. I just need to get a 70. So you're like, I got to... What's the closest I can get to the edge? When you are as close as you can to the edge, you're missing... Like if you, if you go to a property and you walk the fence line and you're just right at the edge... What you, what you do by walking the fence line and staying at the edge is you miss what that fence line was even there to protect. You miss finding out what the heart of the matter is. Whenever you're so worried about, like, how close can I get to the edge? You miss out on living in the fullness and understanding that God gave you this as a gift. And you can operate in that. There are people, and it may be some of you in here, you just, you say, I, I can't tithe. I cannot, I cannot possibly tithe. I would say there's a couple of things. One, we have people that would love to sit and talk with you about how about uh, how it is you can get your finances under control so that you can tithe. Okay, I understand. Sometimes you get in a spot in your life where you say it's, it's really just not possible. This is not between you and me. This is not between you and the church. This is between you and God. You talk to God about it. And I guarantee you, there is a way. I guarantee you, because he, he commanded it in his word. So um, there are people that will, would love to help you budget and, and come up with some, a plan on how to get out of the situation you're in, but it's going to cause you to have to change some things. I cannot tell you how many times. At our, our previous church, we had this benevolence ministry, and people would come in all the time. Number one, in order to ask for benevolence at our church previously, you had to drive a better car than everybody that worked at the church. Because that's every single person that came in drove a better car than everybody at the church. Also, you had to smoke. Like, you couldn't come in not smoking a cigarette. And th- there were all these things like you, that they would spend all this money on. And so what we would do is say, look, let, let's talk about where's your money going? Why did, why did you get in a situation where you can't pay your bills? Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, I have an idea. That Lexus that you drove up here, uh, maybe you don't need a Lexus. I don't know. Maybe you could drive a Honda. Like Honda's nice cars, like maybe, and there's all these things. But the problem is, people don't get in your business, and it's uncomfortable. It really is uncomfortable because they're going to say, "Hey, look, you don't have to have Paramount Plus and Netflix and Amazon Prime." And uh, I'm not look. You can have it. I'm not saying those are bad things. I'm just saying if you can't pay your bills, you don't need all those things too, right? Are you, are you with me here? Look, see, it's got real personal, like real personal. You're like, how am I going to watch The Office without Paramount Plus? Like, Peacock. Sorry. The work and mission that God has called Life Church to do will be accomplished. Whether everyone in this room stops giving, please don't. Um, whether everyone in here stops giving completely, God's going to accomplish the mission that he's called us because there's people here that are all in for the mission. Most of you in here, all in for the mission. God's going to accomplish a thing with or without you. Don't you want it to be with you? Like, I think that most of you definitely want it to be with you. But the mission is bigger than your personal obedience. 
the, the blessings that he wants to pour out on you, someone else will get those blessings if you are disobedient. That's not how it's supposed to work. That's not how it's supposed to be. So don't you want to be blessed beyond what you can even see? I think we all do. Um, giving is about honoring God and putting your faith and your belief in Him. Saying, yes, I believe you can push the wheelbarrow across the high wire and getting in. Getting in. Stepping in. Just jump in. Um, I can tell you that I've never seen anyone who is faithful in their tithes and offerings lack. I've never in all my time in ministry. Does that mean I've never seen someone financially struggle that is faithful in their tithes and offerings? No. I've, I've struggled many times. And whenever we settled the tithe in our minds, like it was done. Like we never didn't struggle with it anymore. We struggled with it. But struggle is not the right word. We didn't struggle with whether we're going to do it or not. Um, but we, we ran into financial problems a lot. We never lacked, though. We always had what we needed. If you are completely honest with yourself, you have to know that you're always going to want something else. No matter what you have, you're going to want something else. So you're not always going to have everything you want, but if you are someone who is faithful with the tithes and offerings, you will always have what you need. Always. So y'all know that you'll not, you'll not always have what you want, right? Like if you get a thing, you're going to have the thing. You're like, this thing is great, but I want the blue one too. So you're, there's always going to be one more thing that you want. And that's okay. Like it's, it's okay to want things, but you're not always going to have them. So um, your needs will be met if you are faithful in this area. In Proverbs 10, 3 and 4, it says, The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. It's not in your words. It is in your actions. It's what you do with your hands. I've seen so many people that say, the Lord is just not blessing me financially. And I say, it's because you don't have a job. Like, go get a job so that, and you'll have some finances that he can bless. Like, if you don't work, like we, the church, has no obligation to lazy people. Okay, we have obligations to poor people. We have obligations to the widow and the orphan. But we have no obligation to lazy people. We don't have to help lazy people. Of course, just because you can't pay your bills, it doesn't mean you're lazy. Sometimes you get in a bad spot. But if you are lazy, trust me, I will say it. I will tell you, look, you need to work. Like, well, I hold up a sign. That's not working. Like, I can get you a job where you'll actually work work, and you'll be miserable at the end of the day. But at the end of the day, you'll be like, I worked. I made some money. And there's, there's just something that goes on in your heart whenever you do a thing and you, you earn the money. And then you give it back to God. And then He can bless you. I have seen where um, homeless people just really down on their luck, get in a really bad spot, and they were panhandling. And I knew of a guy that was actually tithing off of his panhandling. And he somehow, in a very short amount of time, ended up in a house ended up with a real job that, that paid him well, and uh, God just redeemed all of that. So your investment in the kingdom through Life Church, New Braunfels, is valuable far beyond what you see. Now, in two weeks, we're going to do our financial Sunday. The last Sunday of January, every time we talk about all the finances from last year, and it's, it's a little... Raise your hand if you like spreadsheets. Nerds. Y'all are nerds, okay. 
just uh, you know it though. You already knew that before I said it. So, um, so there's going to be like pie charts and graphs and stuff. And then not only are we going to talk about everything that we've spent money on for the last year, but we're going to talk about kind of what we see coming for the upcoming year, which is very exciting, right? Yeah. Are y'all excited about that? Yeah. yeah. Well, I am. So, so Proverbs three nine says, "Honor the Lord with your wealth." And with the first and best part of all your income, then your barns will be full. I don't know if it can get any more clear than that. Honor the Lord with the first, honor the Lord with your wealth, and with the first and best part of all your income, and then your barns will be full. You will have enough. Test me, bet, try it. Honor does not mean giving him the leftovers. Like, oh, look, cool, I have 10% left over. Now I can, I can give to God. You honor him with the first because he is first in your life. He is the priority in your life. That's why you honor him with the first part. Y'all are with me, right? Everybody's still with me. Okay, so uh, we understand that he is the source of the blessing. So I want to challenge you, settle the tithe in your heart and then be done with the struggle. Not the struggle that you're going to have the struggle for your whole life, but be done with the struggle of, should we do this? Should we not do this? Just, the Bible says, do it, do it. The Bible says, I'll bless you if you do it, do it. Bet. See, so you always see tithe and offering. Is everyone clear on what a tithe is? Yeah. Like, I just want you to be crystal clear. There should be no more confusion. Whenever you hear somebody say, look, we were in our, our life group last Friday, and I'd been kind of praying about and working through this, and someone in the life group said, well, it's like tithing your time, and I jumped on them because I was like, no, you can't tithe your time. That's stupid. And I was like, oh, man, I went a little hard there. I probably should have kind of eased into that. No, I, I got it. Like, I got on it. And it was dumb because was, it was on me. So I just want everyone to be clear on what a tithe is. So what is an offering? An offering is whatever you give at 10.00001%. Anything over that first 10% is an offering. I have a New Testament scriptures that we're going to walk through the offering. So he says, remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly, who's like trying to figure out net or gross, will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously with blessings. You are investing your offering in the kingdom like a farmer, like whenever you're like holding it tight, and you're like, I just, I just gave all that away. Like I just gave it away. It's like a, a farmer going out and throwing seeds on the ground and saying, I'm losing all my seeds. I'm just losing all my seeds. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just losing all my... No, you're not losing your seeds. You're planting your seeds. And when you plant seeds, you can expect something to come back, right? When you plant your offering in the kingdom, 100% of the time, something's coming back. It may not be, like you, you may think, well, if I give $1,000 as an offering, I'm going to get me a Mercedes Benz. Maybe not. Maybe, I don't know. It really isn't that church. But you might get something that is exactly what you want, but you might get something that's a thousand times better. You might get something that you, in your mind, is worse. Who knows? but you are investing, you are planting your seeds. It goes on. It says, let each one give as he has, has made up in his... Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart. Now, people that don't believe that the, the, the tithe is a New Testament principle, they will cite this verse and they will say, look, I'm supposed to give according to what's in my heart. I have never in all my time 
found someone that says, this is the New Testament way of giving, that you give whatever you've purposed in your heart. I've never met a single person give, say, you know what, I've purposed in my heart to give 20%. They've always, always, always purposed in their heart to give less than 10%. Always 100% of the time. This is about the offering. This is not about the tithe. The tithe is already settled. The tithe is very clear. The first 10% is God's, and that's the tithes. That's already done. This scripture is about the offering, about more than. So he says, let each one give an offering as he has made up his own mind and purpose in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, which is joyous, prompt to do it, giver, whose heart is in his giving, which is Proverbs 22, 9. This is ascribing the offering and not the tithe. The tithe is God's and we bring it back to him. And the offering is where we really start to see major blessings. The offering, you get to choose completely. You get to settle it in your heart and then you get to give it. If you don't give it, you're still okay. You're still making that 70 on the report card. You're good. You're going to pass. If you want to get a higher grade, not by me, with him. You settle and you give your offering, but it's between you and God. Again, you give your offering. So the offering really is where the, the miracles in your life will start to take place. You choose, you make it up in your mind, and, and as you decide in your heart, that's what you get, okay? There's no, you don't have to give 20 more percent, you don't have to get 10 more percent, you don't have to give 2 more percent or, or 50 more percent. You, you settle that. It's completely and totally up to you. Right? All right, y'all are getting quiet now. And God is able to make... Wait, can you say God is able? And God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing. We're all going to be blessed. Hopefully, you're storing up treasures in heaven. We're all going to be blessed when we get to heaven. But this is earthly blessings. God is able to bless us here on earth to come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Do it God's way and you won't have to depend on the government. You won't have to depend on welfare in order to come and to be able to make ends meet. And if that's you, I'm not knocking you. If you have to do that for now, get in the right place so that you don't have to rely on something that is outside of who you were supposed to rely on as a, a believer, as a follower of Christ, as a disciple. You are never supposed to be de- de- dependent on government. So when we talk about welfare, in 1945, the government came in and, and took over the welfare system. Before that, the government, you went to the government, you needed assistance, the government would say, all right, go to a church. And the church would help them. The church would, would bring people in and they would train them up spiritually. And they would train them in a, in a vocation, some kind of job skill that you could do. And then somebody in the church has a business and they can come in and hire you to do that. But not only that, there was a requirement that you came and served at the church. That whenever you started making income, you gave at the church. because the, the, But the government came in, and they totally messed everything up. I don't know if y'all have heard of the government, but that's what they do. They're really good at it. And we expect, like, you go with an expectation, and it totally, like, it's not supposed to. Do you want to be dependent on the government, or you want to be dependent on God? 
Like you can be dependent on something that is, I don't even have a word for it because I don't cuss. Or you can be dependent on God. Like you can, the God who never changes, he is always the same. There's a, there's a sign right back there. It says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is always the same. Your investment portfolio should show that you're investing in the kingdom because the, the, you're investing more in the kingdom than in anything else because God is always faithful. Are you a Christian who says they believe things or are you a disciple who actually puts the actions with it? Are you going to believe or are you going to have faith? Are you going to say it or are you going to do it? Are you going to get in? That's, that's the only option for, for people that want to live their life fully for God is getting in. Just trusting that he's going to do the things that he says he's going to do because we, we trust him, right? God, we thank you so much uh, for the way that you have, have just equipped this church to do what you've called us to do. And we know that the best is yet to come and we are so excited for the future that you have for us. Lord, I pray over every single person that is listening to this online or listening to the podcast, every single person that's in this room, that they would understand this principle and they would get it fully and that they would be blessed because of their obedience. We know that you are faithful and we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, we're about to have a little birthday party. Um, There's gonna be food back there If you did not bring any food, please be first in line because it's okay. We want to feed you. Uh, A lot of people brought food. I don't don't use this background music for uh, announcements. Can you play happy birthday? Like, you know that? Can you play happy birthday? You don't know? I can sing it for you. Into that mic right there? Anyway, um, we're going to have fun. Happy birthday to you. Us. Happy birthday, dear us. Carried a burden